watching the Copa Argentina this evening. Welcome to Hand of Pot. say uh, Deportivo Morón are about to kick off in the Copa Argentina against thank you again so I knew it was a I'm going to do air quotes for this I knew it was a top flight team uh, but I couldn't remember who Um, (laughs) so that's about to happen and I'm joined for this 426th episode of Hand of Pod by English Dan hello Santi hello guys and Andres hello welcome welcome back everybody um, we have the last round of group matches in the Copa de la Liga to discuss, and more importantly, to be honest, we also have the quarterfinals of the Copa de la Liga to discuss. Uh, in case you can remember what the situation was and who, what was up in the air and what wasn't from last week, I'll read out those group results for you. First of all, they were San Lorenzo 1, Racing 1, Barracas Central 3, Godoy Cruz 1, Aldo CB 1, Arsenal 2, Independiente 3, Huracan 0, and Tigre 0, Boca Juniors 2. If you have good memories, then you'll have worked out, and and pretty good maths, uh, then you'll have worked out that the three teams there who needed to win their matches um, that I've just, in the matches I've just read out, all lost. Aldo Sibi, Huracan, and Tigre, uh, which meant that nothing changed at all in the Group 2 table. That was, yeah, that was Group 2, wasn't it? Yeah. Terrible end to a terrible group, basically. Indeed. Uh, then on uh, then Rosario Central beat Estudiantes, a rather disinterested Estudiantes, 3-1 later that evening. And then on Sunday, Gimnasia beat Newells, 3-1. Uh, Argentinos beat Union, 2-1. Tacheres beat Sarmiento, 1-0. Defensa Justicia beat Patronato, 1-0. Uh, and then later on, River beat Platense, 2-1. Uh, then on Monday, in the matches that didn't really matter, Central Córdoba versus Lanús finished 3-3. And Colón versus Vélez uh, ended 2-1 to Vélez. Oh, and there's one more. Banfield versus Atlético Tucumán ended 1-1. That meant that the qualifiers from Group 1 were Racing in first place, River in second, Defensa Justicia in third, and Argentinos Juniors in fourth. And from Group 2 were Estudiantes in first, Boca in second, Tigre in third, and Aldo Civi in fourth. Now, I'm going to just pause very briefly before I read you out the quarterfinal results. Uh, and say that I think, like in my own head anyway, I, I, I had a sort of rough hierarchy of who I was expecting to win which tie. So we had Racing against Aldo CB, Boca versus Defensa, Estudiantes versus Argentinos, Ribera versus Tigre, obviously the teams who finished higher up in their own group. Um, so the first and second place teams from each group were playing the third and fourth place team from the other group, and the first and second place teams were at home. Um, and I think we were all expecting just four home wins really was the most likely yes. looking and I would have said I think probably favourites before the quarterfinals in ascending order of those four would have been Racing 
like to win the whole thing. I mean, Racing is the best team from the group stage. Then Estudiantes, then River, then Boca, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you would have said probably on paper of those four ties. Um, Boca, Defensa, Justicia had the most potential for an upset. Mm. Until you took into account the ridiculous scheduling, which basically fucked. Yeah, think oh, yeah, of course. Well, oh, we'll yeah. discuss that in a second. But um, So the results for the quarterfinals ended up being, on the Tuesday evening... Much as we expected, perhaps not quite as uh, rather more one-sided than we expected in the Cilindro. Racing did beat Aldo Civi. Uh, we probably wouldn't have predicted 5-0, but that was what it was. I might have. Uh, in the Bombonera, it went much more according to what we expected, I think it's fair to say. Although, Boca put in probably their best performance of the year so far, uh, but 2-0. Best performance of Badalia's whole tenure, maybe. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, they won 2-0 against Defensa Justicia. And then on Wednesday evening came the shocks. Estudiantes just didn't really ever get started against Argentinos. Um, I mean, they got started and they went 1-0 up. But apart from that, <laughs> they, they never really managed to, to fire on all cylinders and were held to a 1-1 draw and were then put out on penalties. And then Very really... Estudiantes stuff going on, there. Indeed, on yeah, there. yeah, it was. I mean, and with, and a man, with a man advantage as well. And after they've when looked... Argentinos equalised. Yeah, yeah, and just after they've looked so convincing all season as well. Um, and then River fell behind twice, pulled it back once, um, but couldn't do it a second time round, and lost 2-1 at home to Tigre. Mm. Now, Dan's already mentioned the bit of a fuss about the fixtures, so we may as well talk about that first. That was regarding Boca versus Defensa y Justicia. Um, Defensa y Justicia, we will say. Yes, indeed, yeah. So Defensa y Justicia uh, beat Patronato 1-0 on Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. and then had to play or were scheduled to play Boca in the Mombonera on Tuesday evening just over 48 hours after that group match had it's finished. About 51 minutes. Yeah. Isn't there a rule that says that you can't play uh, uh, one match and another in 72 less than 72 hours after? I think that's for Libertadores. Like, ah. It's Libertadores mainly for Libertadores, yeah. Yeah, I, I think the local rules are 48. Like, that's the best. Ah. Yeah. Okay. But Defensa Justicia did appeal um, to the Liga on that basis saying that it was unfair that Boca had 24 hours more than them and that they were having to play only two days after uh, qualifying there was a bit of a fuss though because the alternatives were either play that match on the Thursday in which case whoever had won it would have only had 48 hours going into their semi-final because you couldn't put the semi-final back back to the Sunday because both Boca and Estudiantes who were the two teams most likely you could say to, to cross in that semi-final um, are going to have Copa Libertadores games next Tuesday I think it's the Tuesday so you can't play on the Sunday because they wouldn't have had enough rest so time that would, as that would have us. been illegal by exactly yeah that, that is yeah, against so. the rules that the AFA have set up for themselves um, yeah but the, the draws I think that when the draws were, were being released this was told to the or, or the, the teams the, the, the directors board members knew that this could happen and they do nothing or they... Yeah. Well, this it's, is it. As always, it's it's nobody's problem until it's my problem and then I'm going to kick up a fuss yeah. about it and say... Defensive like, Quintessia's president actually admitted this. Um, oh, yeah. He went on Tissa Sports, I believe, and kind of said, oh, this is a bit shit. But he, he made an astonishing confession. He said um, all of the teams who were kind of in the running to qualify, I think, ahead of the final weekend or final two weekends, I'm not entirely sure... They received a memo from the Liga Profesional 
saying like what the likely schedule was going to be, what when they would play if they happened to get through. And they want he to... admitted that he didn't look at it because <laughs> he was afraid of jinxing his club. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said as a good, you know, superstitious as he is, if he read it before, he might have had his team's chances of getting into the quarterfinals. And he said that uh, Newell's had read it and made a bit of a stink already in the Liga Profesional. And they didn't go through. So, so, go so through. Maybe, maybe he was right. Completely, so going, going scientifically to, proves his point. Yeah. yeah. So going back to Andres's comment, it would have been an injustice, but his defence was just, just as poor. Mm-hmm. It was no justice yes. or defence, yes. <laughs> yeah. no, uh, um, the upshot was basically error defensive Cortesia team, you know, which is obviously built on high pressure, a lot of running, you know, the typical uh, Becasese style. Uh, they just look winded, really. And yeah. They let Boca, who aren't, a particularly dynamic team, I think, um, look fairly dynamic. They were pinging it um, around there, a lot more space, and they didn't have to just rely on smacking the ball 40 yards over to the left for Sebastian Vicha to do something. Although that was Although always a that useful was a tool <laughs> tactic that, to It use. was a tool, but not the only tool they had on um, on Tuesday, so uh, that definitely benefited them. Indeed, yeah. The um, temporary solution that was briefly suggested was, oh, let's play that game on the Wednesday as well as the uh, the other two semi-finals and obviously the city security forces very quickly shut that down by saying you know it's Honey River and Monaco about the idea of um, two home matches on the same day, day. Home on the same day yeah. right uh, so to be fair indeed yeah that would have been no a bit of a disaster um, so yeah Defensive Justicia paid the price for their chairman's superstition I hadn't heard that by the way but that is uh, yeah. one of the most Argentine football things I've yeah. heard um, yeah. very very um, while we've been recording this podcast on uh, brand Indeed it is. Sebastián Misha did score the, the um, opener, in fact, mm. after a long ball down the left channel for him, which he took in one touch really nicely to, to cushion it down. And then yeah, very nice pass finish. from Frank Fabre. Yeah. Uh, oh, and man. Juan Ramírez scored the second with 12 minutes to go, set up by Oscar Romero, it says here. Mm. I can't remember it. I did watch the whole game. I can't remember the goal. I have a vague memory. What's it? Yes, Blaine's assist by Romero and, yeah. and Ramirez. Just went through and, yes. and finished nicely, mm. I think. Um, so, well done, Boca. Into a semi-final, in spite of the criticism four. we've given them and Bataglia so far this year. So, four games in a row that they won. It's in all competitions, I think, yeah. Yes, mm. incredible how... how uh, Two great uh, games, uh, Libertadores yes. game in this one. Yeah, they keep you know, yeah, racking up this streaks of great results without ever being convincing it's yeah. incredible Guaracas Central always ready Tigre Defensa Justicia are their yes. victims so far and they will play well, they might be five I think they beat Central Córdoba before no, there might no, have been another they, hang on a second I just had it uh, yeah there might have been another Libertadores they did beat Central Córdoba but they lost to Corinthians after there that there we go yes. so four and not domestic single. matches it's incredible how things change in so so a few uh, uh, I mean, in, in a little space of time, because... Well, I think we've all been around the block, block enough times so to know you should never underestimate Boca in, a, in any competition, really. No, um, they do. They get, they do have that knack of grinding out results, which failed another Super Classico team this midweek. Indeed it did. Um, let's go to the last match of the uh, week then, since Dan's just given us the perfect introduction to it. So uh, follow the rest of Argentine media and just talk about Boca and River first. <laughs> it's Bober, Bober, kind of Bober. Mateo Retegui gave uh, Tigre, I nearly said gave River earlier. Ex-Boca youngster, Mateo Retegui. Oh, Isn't he on low? Same as Colidio. 
Very possibly. He's one of these players who's been eternally on loan. I think he's a, he yeah, actually belongs know. to Walker. Yeah. So, Chavis. yeah. And son of Chaparrategui, the yeah. Argentine hockey coach. Yeah. Uh, oh, this doesn't tell me. Don't know. Probably. Possibly. Anyway, uh, a nice, smart, sort of backwards, stooping header. Um, five minutes in, gave Tigre the lead. Enzo Fernandez equalised just before the hour with a... I don't care what Seba says, it was a brilliant finish. Yeah. It was brilliant, but... It's excellent. I just want to know how he did it and... Yeah. Yeah. It looked, it looked like he... He, 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 he shot in slow-mo. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the slow motion weird. replay, I, I was really impressed by because it's <laughs> just one of those beautiful hits where the ball isn't spinning at all. It exactly. Just, like, floated into the. If you tried to do it another twenty times, he, even with like the oh, net open, he, he plays it over nineteen. Yeah. Um, you can say that about most goals like that. That's yeah, it, right? <laughs> they all only count as one goal, don't they? And uh, sadly yes. for River, nine minutes later on, Facundo Colidio took advantage of a horrendous slash hilarious depending on who you're supporting uh, slip from Paulo Diaz it was Paulo Diaz wasn't it yes. yeah, yeah Paulo Diaz um, to restore Tigre's lead and that was how it finished uh, yeah. it kind of looked like a familiar story for River in, in many ways Andres with some of the criticisms you were making of them earlier in the year where they just didn't really have much of an idea after they'd fallen behind the, the main difference being that they were behind whereas earlier in the year it was like, like the player saying a shadow Look, we don't want to play two competitions. It's enough for us to play only one, and, and uh, because they they were physically uh, tired, which is strange because they had six six days of uh, not playing. Uh, but uh, anyway, it looks like a team, uh, perhaps the other way around, to work a, a dynamic team. At this point, is a, a, a predictable team, slow team that doesn't know how to create. Chances uh, as they used to with mm. creativity and, and, move, and moving perhaps the, 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 the different players, in, in fact, <coughs> even with the midfielders, not only strikers. And, and now it's like a heavy team, weak team uh, that is it, very difficult for them to score, but it's easy for them to concede goals. Because um, uh, b- before before the, the, the goal from Retegui he had another chance yeah. in which Armani saved magnificently uh, and it was like uh, look I will score and they did um, so yes it's like uh, a, a, a team that perhaps is at this point not prepared to play like perhaps Gachardo tends to still do is with uh, pressing and, and, and trying to uh, keep the ball and when they don't have it to, to recover it again um, because defensively they are still uh, poor, like they always did, uh, were, but at this point also with mistakes or, or, or silly or, or big mistakes that cost goals. Mm. Uh, it's the second, I think it, it's the second match in a short uh, period of time that a single mistake uh, decides on the, on, the, on the result, because I, I remember González Pires' mistake that uh, uh, let Boca score, uh, Bisha score for Boca, and then the, the match ended one nil. And in this point, this mistake yeah. from Paulo Diaz, uh, horrendous mistake. Well, and one of the things I was going to say as well is that if we go back to the match at the weekend as well, the two one went over Patronato, 
I can't remember Patronato's goal, but what I do remember thinking it. when it went in, obviously <coughs> River changed, Gachado changed 11 players basically oh. for that match, as we'd largely expected. Uh, what I do remember thinking when it went in was, you know, we've on our WhatsApp group, especially a few times this year, have maybe said, like, you know, Franco Aramani is going to be going to the World Cup at the end of this year. He shouldn't be. You know, should he even be River's first choice goalkeeper? And after seeing what Ezequiel Centurion <laughs> did for Patronato's goal, Patences. yes, Franco Aramani, def- sorry, for, for yes. Patense's goal. Uh, Franco Amani definitely should still be River's first choice goalkeeper. It, it was a, a, sure, a sure mistake, but I think, that the, of course, the first one is the pass from, from Gonzalez Pires, who didn't pass the ball to anyone. It mm. was in the, to the middle, and then Norma Mann and either uh, Centurion were able to you know, clear the ball or catch it or whatever. But Centurion just stood there. Yes. Just, just stood there and, and sort of, I mean, okay, maybe he froze, but it was just, just hoof it, man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, anyway, for me, I think I, I wasn't paying as much attention to the two games uh, on Wednesday as I did to the two on Tuesday. So, for listeners who can't remember when everything was played, that means I didn't pay as much attention to Estudiantes Argentinos and River Tigre as I did to Racing Aldosivi and Boca Defensivo Justicia. But I think that that River Tigre game was probably the best in terms of entertainment for the neutral. Yeah, like yeah. Tension. And, Tigre, oh, Tigre is a, and, you know, part of that is down to the fact that Tigre is a good team. Onto the game, the yeah. away team, the less fancy yeah. team, were, were winning it. Yeah, Tigre is a good team, and I think they deserve mm. to to go to, through to the semi-finals as well, as well as Argentino Juniors. I think they are both. I don't. I don't know if similar teams. I don't. I, I couldn't watch Argentino Juniors that much, except for River Argentinos. I was in the stadium and they played really well, and they go through, go 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 ahead to the. Yeah, I mean, they don't go to their side and, and, and wait, by, but they like to attack and I think will be attractive match for between them. But River now can lose, I think there is a question about that, can win or lose against any team and that talks about the team, of, of course. Yeah. We should also um, point out this was Tigre's third grande scout in Copa something-somethings. Yeah. <laughs> Because they beat Racing and Boca in the 2019 Copa Superliga, which they of course won. Oh yeah. That was the last Copa something something they, they won. <laughs> now they're back in the Copa Liga Profesional and they've kicked off with a win against Yeah, which They've won like six out of the eight matches they played in this Which begs the question, uh, is Tigre, uh, do Tigre have what it takes, I think, to become the first team in Argentina to be promoted and immediately win the league? Because this is supposed to yeah. be a league title since Rosario Central in '87. I mean, they've got the history, they've got the pedigree to win this competition. We all know they've been there, they've done it before. <laughs> Very difficult to But not when it was a league that. title. Still. It's the only thing. But um, It is a league title. Would it be. How many have been held in. I mean, if we're counting it, if we pretend. Well, it's not really pretending, is it? If we count it as one competition, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a league title before this year, but, you know, the Copa. It's still a league Liga and then the Copa. League Cup. What was Let's it called? Call it League Cup. What was it called last year or the year before? Copa Liga Profesional. Last yeah. year was Copa Liga Profesional. Right? 2020 Copa that. Diego Maradona. That's the one. It was Copa so Liga Profesional even before that. So it's been played four times. Very in, briefly, yeah. If 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 we say that it is the same competition, then it's been played four times in total, right? Yeah. One the Tigre yes. one, then the one when they were the Boca. two when they were in the second division. Yes, and now this. One. Yeah. So it's been won by Tigre, Boca, Boca. Colón. 
Come on, of course. And now this. Wait, 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 wait. He's trying to jinx them. He's trying to jinx them. He's clearly trying to jinx them. But Tigre have got the opportunity to to make it to basically a one hundred percent record participation to yes. wins if they. Yeah, if they're on the right track. Um, there is no one that I think, or the the other way around. Every time, everyone will say that the the one who uh, wins between Russian and Boca will be the, the champions. Which is perhaps natural, natural bit, but uh, they are good teams. Of well, this is a knockout competition, so we anything can happen, as, exactly. as we've just seen. Yeah, especially on neutral grounds, whatever. Uh, what I will say is, you know, as a neutral, I'm I'm pretty happy with those two results because <laughs> I think Argentinos Tigre, they're they're fairly likable clubs, right? Like unless you're a, one of their direct classical rivals, the kind of teams that you think, ah, yeah, they're cool, you know. But, yeah, especially Maradona, Semichelle del Mundo, and then Tigre, you know, way up there in, in Victoria. Yeah, and especially school. considering the rejoice about uh, Estudiantes getting knocked out as well. Indeed. Considering all the animosity towards Estudiantes. I mean, no neutral could ever root for Estudiantes. Never. And I think that Diego Martinez is, for, to win a title will, yeah. be, will be big. Mm. It will be. No, Sebastian Prediger, still guy. Yeah, the Galmarín. I thought well, he was right. still like 25, but apparently he's 35, like. He has grown up in the Hannibal era, that guy. Oh, he really has, yeah. yeah. No, Garmanini is still at the club. Garmanini is still is there at 40, yeah. The Jesus. Yeah. He goes to the subs bench. And uh, Roman yeah. Martinez? No. Probably. No. <laughs> Cachete <laughs> Morales? Must be. <laughs> at Roman this point, Martinez we're going to be, you know, the, Martinez, rolling yeah. out the names of, you know, uh, Leandro Lázaro and Denis Tracuarursi, mm. you know. <laughs> I mean, Lu- Lucas Menossi is their current Lucas the holder of their number 10 shirt at the moment, so right. Roman Martinez is definitely not there. <laughs> Plus, he must be about 47 yeah. now. <laughs> I, mean, well, I think he, sure, at the very least, I think he got promoted with the team or something like that. Yeah, really? I mean, I saw, he was somewhere, I saw him in Primera B or something. Or, in, or playing the Copa Libertadores in 2020, something like that. Yeah, something, something weird, yeah. They do have a 20-year-old kid called Agustin Baldi, who either... His sofa score profile picture is rather unflattering, or he has the largest forehead <laughs> I've ever seen. Can I see it? Look at that. I can't get the picture any bigger. <laughs> that, that's a wow. It's either a very high hairline. Sorry, what is his name again? Agustin Baldi. Agustin Baldi. It's either a very high hairline, or a. I mean, that puts Harry Maguire to shame. Yeah. Um, he was an unused sub anyway, so you know, possibly in Jesus than Christ. It's than true. It's true. Oh yeah, no, that was, that's just the picture they've Look got. Anyway, uh, no, we're laughing at someone because of their physical you know, yeah. attributes. Moving it's on to right. the moving on to the one uh, match that went to a shootout. It has to be said that not only did Argentinos uh, cause the first upset of Wednesday evening. Uh, in that shootout, but also Argentinos were rather, arguably, you know, if they hadn't won the shootout, they'd have been rather unlucky to have been taken to the shootout, because, especially the second half, they were all over Estudiantes, and as you mentioned earlier, Dan, having had a man sent off about ten minutes into the second half as well. Um, how did that happen? I must say, I didn't watch this game closely. I was cooking and kind of had it on in the background, so I will cede the floor to one of my colleagues who hopefully... Watched it with um, a bit more attention. Did either of you see it? Crickets <coughs> tumbled. In. No, it wasn't. Oh dear, this is embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> uh, I mean, Alejandro Galarza was the man sent off, um, who was playing in 
central midfield of Argentinos sort of 3-5-2 uh, and as I said I didn't pay as much attention to it as I did to the two on Tuesday night but it seemed like yeah, yeah the just the didn't, didn't want to kill it off like just yeah. didn't, didn't do much really maybe they didn't feel exactly comfortable being you know the main yeah they, nice. yeah, they got the early goal, like Bosselli, who's had a fantastic year, struck again, Mauro Bosselli. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of yeah, they, and stayed with that, right? And not even they score also the That was their only shot on target. So that yeah, tells you that I think even from what I saw again, you know, not paying a huge amount of attention, uh, even when Argentinos um, got the equaliser and even playing with numerical advantage, uh, they just really didn't do anything like um, they seemed almost happy to to go to penalties like you know that was that was going to be their way through and but even nine minutes into stoppage time mm-hmm. sent on Jorge Morel for Jorge Rodriguez and when somebody you know if you're sending him on nine minutes into stoppage time with a match that doesn't have any extra time mm. you assume that that's a substitution to he's going on to take a penalty and he did. Uh, Morel did indeed <laughs> take a penalty and it was saved and it was the decisive well it turned out to be yeah. the decisive one because Pau Stolbera scored his immediately. So may, may, yeah, I, I to say. may also yeah, remind you may also remind you that it was Jorge Morel who was uh, cheered by the Estudiantes home fans because in the second to last game of the group of the, of the group stage he got uh, booked so that he would be suspended for that final game and he would be available for this one but then he was only ever on the pitch for those few seconds. And when he actually had to be on the pitch and do something, he missed his penalty. So it's particularly hilarious, you know. You love to see it. <laughs> I would, um, I'd be interested to see whether anybody's done, you know, one of these journalists on Twitter who specialises in penalties. Ben Littleton wrote the book on it, was it? I don't know. One of our colleagues, anyway. Um, I can't remember who it was, but there was that book a few years ago. Yeah, but... I mean, you've seen it with England as well. And yeah, the Euros. but just whether there's sort of been a study, because the one I always remember as well is the Copa America 2011, Brazil going out to Paraguay and sent on Elano, mm. I think it was, to, to take a penalty and he missed Elano, the first one. Yeah. Um, of whether there is, you know, whether it's better to to be warm, as it were, you know, not there's, to come on cold There's been debate about this, yeah, whether it's better to have someone who's actually been involved in the game. Yeah. As a also, also, it, with, also it with goalkeepers, like first kick is a penalty. Yeah. Also with goalkeepers as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it might be a bit of confirmation bias, so like, we exactly, know it much saying, more yeah. when, you know, when that guy misses. It feels like there's something to it, but at the same time, it's not as if yeah. no one who's played the full 90 minutes has ever missed a penalty in a shootout. You know, if they played to Argentinos, just looking at their record, um, they only lost three games all year, and the three games they lost were against the uh, three teams that finished above them in, in Group A. Hmm. Yes. Racing, Fuentesia, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. and like They that. did exactly what they needed to do, finished fairly strongly. Um, and now, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game with Tigre, which is going to be played... Sunday. But where? That was my question. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, we'll where are we going to Huracan, I think. Yeah, Huracan. Estadio. This says it's ah no, but this is just saying because Tigre are the first team listed, so it's got Estadio José de la de la Giovanna, de la Giovanna, the Monumental de Victoria. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it won't be there. So it's going to so. be Huracan on one side, the wind on the other, and then the final is at the Campes in Cordoba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just I hadn't. 
realised, uh, as I said, that Argentinos' three defeats were to the three teams. You say above them, but of course they actually finished level on points with Defence Eagles DC as well. They only finished behind them on goal difference. Um, but also, just the, going on to the, the point again that Tony made a few weeks ago about Group 1 having been more entertaining than Group 2 up to that point, mm-hmm. Defence Eagles DC and Argentinos both finished on 25 points in third and fourth in Group A, and in Group uh, Group 1, and in Group 2, uh, that would have been that would have put them only two points behind Boca and five points ahead of Tigre and Aldosivi, who had twenty each yeah. in in the equivalent position. So it perhaps underlines the fact that at the top of 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 each group, maybe Group One was a little bit more competitive. Um, perhaps, perhaps. But as it is, we've got two and two in the semi-finals, and we've given you the big build-up now. Now we've talked about everybody else, so here's your opportunity to wax lyrical about the. Gagoleta. Just fantastic. Um, uh, brilliant performance all round. And I had the good fortune to watch it from just behind Gago himself. I was on the that side of uh, Racing's Popular, mm-hmm. um, behind the, the two substitute benches, because I'd gone with a mate who'd brought his 15-month-old son to the stadium for the first time, so he wanted a, a more like a calmer place to watch it mm-hmm. rather than... <laughs> the usual mayhem. Um, so I got to stare at Gago for almost the entire game, which was lovely. Uh, <laughs> don't know if I watched any. Staring Gago or Gago himself? At Gago. No, of yeah. course. He's a he's a lovely, beautiful man. Um, <laughs> but I was just saying to these guys um, before we started recording that you know you look at the result five 0 absolute absolute dominance, and I think it probably reflects. How good Racing were and how much they they were on top of Andalusivi, but um, it could have been different because um, Andalusivi showed a few things. Like it was clear what um, Martin Palermo wanted to do. He wanted to really set his team up nice and deep, um, and then hit on the counter, get the ball over the top of Racing, where they've looked a bit shaky. Um, probably the only times they've really looked shaky is when. Teams have done that, um, most notably in the Sudamericana clash against Milgar, yeah. uh, where they really did work the spaces behind Racing's two fullbacks who get very, very hard at pitch, usually in the penalty area, um, and got a 3 0 win. That was what Palermo was going for. And if it weren't for the fact that Racing took the lead after three minutes, thanks to a lovely cross from the much maligned Matias Rojas and Carlos. Alcaraz's header. Um, it could have been a lot more comfortable for Racing because uh, that first goal just completely botched Andalusivi's game plan. They actually had to come out and play, and from what we've seen, you know, over this year and last year with Gallo, they're not very good when they have to force a game. Um, they do concede a lot of goals. Yeah, they were three 0 down before they really got going, weren't they? Because Alcaraz again from a Rojas assist doubled the lead. Mm. Uh, what a week for Alcaraz, really. Yeah. yeah. What a week for Carlos Alcaraz. And then Enzo Copetti scored a penalty two minutes into the second half, and that was after that. Aldo Sibi had far more chances mm. for what was left of the match than Racing. I think did, that was when he actually took the penalty because the awarding was about 20 seconds. True. Into yeah, the, yeah, you're quite right. The first um, half, you know, straight from kickoff. Uh, and then from, from there, it was just a procession really. You Racing picking at will. They could have had. Another two. Although, I'll see if he did well, have a couple of chances. Very um, 
Very well contained by uh, Chilo Gomez. Is Alcaraz 19 years old? 19 years old. Yeah. The similarity is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and the tennis player. I mean, incredible, you know, with all, all the travel and all the, and all the intensity he had to play, play through after winning the Madrid Open, and now he's come here and <laughs> scored. I must say, I haven't seen much of the tennis player, but he probably would be my second favorite, Carlos Alcaraz. Um, the Racing play ace. He's sure, very yeah. good. He's very, very good. Um, it's also a, a very good thing that you know nobody particularly cares about hat tricks in Argentina because Copetti scored his second ten minutes after he scored his first and then was immediately subbed uh, <laughs> by Gago. And like, if you tried to do that in the Premier League, yeah, <laughs> you, you would have uh, yeah. just scored two goals in ten minutes. <laughs> They'd be kicking up a right fast, wouldn't they? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't injured, was he? No, no, no. no. Just retired <laughs> because the game was yeah. done and dusted. Yeah, why would you leave him on and? To get his hat trick down. Such a rough and tumble player that he's always liable to get injured or sent off, and then you screw because he is an an absolute sweet moment. Just (laughs) everything he touches is a goal. It it was his replacement who actually scored the fifth anyway, wasn't it? Uh, Javier Correa. Yeah, both of them are doing all right. Copetti's kind of got the hot hand at the moment, but Correa's definitely, you know, a bit of a kind of more cultured player than than Copetti. Just wants to run from brick walls all day. Mm. Um, Correa kind of knows he has to go around them. Uh, as, as I said, it, it's it, great. Like, you know, they're not the two best strikers ever to play football, mm-hmm. but they're working well. You know, like one comes in, one comes out, and they're getting goals. And we even had uh, a no look pass from Edwin Cardona, which was which was kind of fun. I can't remember if it was in the build up to Correa's goal or if it was a no look pass chance. But yeah, mm. that was fun. Great, great afternoon, great evening all around. Not even dampened by the fact that coming out of Abishanaya in my mate's car, um, his, uh, he got a puncture and we had to change Ooh. a tyre at oh half ten in the evening when we just wanted to go home. Jesus. But it was fine. Better that than a 5 0 defeat. Indeed, yeah. Something we can all get on board with, I'm sure. So the semi finals will be Boca Racing at. Five o'clock Argentine time on Saturday afternoon. I'm just going to... Yes, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and Tigre Argentinos at four o'clock Argentine time on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we did say where these were going to be held, didn't we? A few minutes uh, ago. Boca Racing are playing in Lanús. I think we only mentioned the other seven because I asked. Ah, right. Yes. So Boca yeah, Racing is in Lanús. Right. Tigre Argentinos is in. Remind me. Huracán. And the final is, uh, that's a good point actually, all of these four teams are in the Buenos Aires area. Um, yes. I'll see was our only non-Greater uh, Buenos Aires representative. Yes, if you're counting La Plata, if you're counting La Plata, Greater Buenos Aires. But uh, the, the final could very well be between two teams from the city of Buenos Aires and it's going to be played in Córdoba. Because who cares about the fans being able to get there easily and, you know. We'll go anyway. <laughs> it's nice and neutral, I suppose, at least. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's fair enough to have the final in Cordoba or, or one of these places. Like, obviously, if you're going to take Argentinos versus Tigre in the semi to Mendoza, that would be yeah. ridiculous. But the final, fa- yeah, fair enough. Admittedly, it's not as silly as what they do with the Copa Argentina in the, no. whatever this is, the 32th sub-final. Um, where you've got... Where is this being played, actually? Maybe maybe it's not that unsensible given that Patronato are way up in Paraná. This actually might be there somewhere. There are red and yellow between. stands. Yeah, which 
have a look. This says it's being played in Estadio Presbitero Bartolome Grela. No, no, that's that's what I'm saying. Honestly, they just always assume that the first team are at home. Wouldn't be Boca Unida Stadium in Corrientes? Or maybe, yeah, or maybe Misiones Cruzero Norte. We will have an answer for you after this music. turns out that as I've been sort of suspecting but it looks a bit emptier than I'm used to so I didn't want to say it before uh, Patronato versus Moron is being played in Colón's stadium um, in spite of which Moron who as we've said have got what <laughs> at least five or six hours to travel to get there uh, seem to have more fans in, in attendance than Patronato do who were right across the river from it I haven't seen any Patronato fans because that goal Maybe they're all in the main that. stand underneath the telly. Yeah. Although that would be a very strange way to do it when you want it to look good yeah. on television, wouldn't it? The stand behind the goal is in harrowing darkness. Yeah. This this seems to be intentional for no not uh, no supporters to go and, and, and watch a, a match because uh, Patronato and Moron playing at Colón Stadium. Middle of the week. You yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Uh, at any rate, earlier on, Barracas Central got a 4-1 win over Racasuso in the Copa Argentina. And on Friday evening, there are two more matches. There's Rosario Central versus Sol de Macho, who are from Biedma, uh, down in... Chubut. Thank you. Rio Negro, Rio Negro. And then Godoy Cruz Antonio Tomba, who are... Godoy Cruz, uh, the, the same club you all know, just to be clear. It's not a Versus Tristan Suarez. Yeah. That's both cases. It's it's a club, not a person. Um, <laughs> and that is, again, it's not being played in the Estadio Malvinas Argentinas in Mendoza. That's got like Cruces Stadium. Maybe it's Estadio Malvinas Argentinas in Floreta. <laughs> no, because that's Islas Malvinas. It's not Malvinas Argentinas. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's happening on Friday evening. And the other Copa Argentina matches I don't think have been scheduled yet. Uh, but we've had a pretty good... Oh, we, we've had several matches already, in fact, this week, because Aldo Sibi... Oh, that was last week, Aldo Sibi Colegiales, 1-1. <laughs> and Flandria beat Sarmiento last week as well. And Newell's beat Itusango. Ah, we saw a bit of that, didn't we? Yes. I think that was on while we were recording last week. Very uh, Newell's ended up winning that 3-1 anyway, in case you remember us mentioning that last week, and we're wondering what had happened. A little bit of a programming update now, slash some news, uh, because it has been confirmed that the first round of matches in the Liga Profesional de Football 2022 uh, is going to be played. Or, uh, yeah, it's going to be played on the weekend of the fifth of June, i.e., the first weekend in June. Uh, which means that what we now have coming up is. Uh, Semi-finals of the Copa de la Liga, Saturday and Sunday, i.e. the day after and two days after this podcast goes online. The final of the Copa de la Liga, we weren't sure when this was going to be last week. It had been confirmed, it just 
I couldn't be bothered to look it up and I couldn't quite remember whether it was going to be midweek or the weekend. It's going to be on Saturday the 21st um, of May. <laughs> In case you're wondering. Oh, it might be on Sunday the 22nd. One of the two, anyway. Um, but it's going to be next weekend, basically. For which reason we probably... The 22nd won't... is, yes. Good, thank you, Dan. Uh, for which reason we won't record an episode next week. Uh, because it doesn't seem to make much sense to me to record an episode just to review two matches in the semi-finals and a couple of Copa Argentina matches that, let's face it, you don't care about any more than we do. Uh, So we will next record in about two weeks' time uh, to review the semis and the final of the Copa de la Liga. And the week after that... Maybe maybe in two weeks' time we could record and review the semis in the final then and do a, a league preview and then give ourselves another week off the week after that and then come back and review the first round of matches uh, two weeks after that. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be fortnightly rather than weekly, just for a couple of episodes, and then we'll be back to our normal schedule. Okay. How does that sound, gents? Unless yeah. there's an international match I'm forgetting about. When's Argentina or Italy, Santa? Uh, June 1st. Yes. The 1st? June 1st. That's a Wednesday. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's so you, you can record the day after that. Maybe. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll see what we can do, and we might oh, on that subject might Sorry, possibly Tim. want to try and set up something on Zoom with you if you're going to be available. Yeah. Something. Because I don't, I can't remember whether we've actually said this while the mic's been running on the podcast. I don't yet. think so. But Hand of Pod is sending a correspondent to London for the match. Woo! I mean, when I say that, I like if you're contributing on Patreon, don't get worried, I've not wasted your money on this or anything. Santi's going off his own accord. <laughs> <Wasted. laughs> That's why he won't um, be to the, on the Champions final. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we would have put you up in Paris for a week if you'd mentioned it earlier, Santi. Yeah. On the subject to the national team, we have bad news for our Australian listeners. Oh, of course oh, yeah. we do. Yeah, go on now. There will be no friendly at the MCG on June the 11th. Is this because they realised it was a bit silly to schedule that a few days after playing in on the literally the other side of the world. And I mean, something being silly has never gotten the Afa's way before. No, I, I did yeah. read that it was well, something to do Afa, with the Afa. Afa actually Afa, did right? something pretty clever this time around, which is that they never actually officially recognised this match as such. They never, you know, publicised it. They never announced it. So, um, in the same way that they never announced the supposed Argentina versus the game that will resume in September, just as FIFA has ordered, on the basis that if they do, they would recognize they have done something wrong uh, last year mm. when they were suspended, you know. So, maybe it's something rather clever from, from after right. this time. Yeah, I just don't think they fancied the trip. Um, I have a quote here from Victoria's sports minister. Victoria is the states that they have in oh, right. Australia. I was, yeah, and until Probably you started saying that, no, I, I was about states. to say who's Victoria and why. Ah. <laughs> I think they have states. Um, Victoria, the state of Victoria's sports minister, um, who would have hosted the game. An exclusive. Um, they have they have states and territories, by the way. Yes. Um, says the government was pretty pissed off with the. With Argentina's decision. Yeah, they were, they were already selling tickets, that's weren't they? That's a they were already selling tickets, weren't they? I would imagine so, if it, you know, considering it was meant to be played in about three weeks. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you do business with the AFA, that's it. <laughs> you got to get burned. Yeah. What can I say? Ah. Like those crypto bros who ended up um, getting 
getting screwed when the app decided to change their um, which uh, what's the word yeah. I'm looking for which pyramid scheme they wanted to be uh, sponsored by Indeed. this year and uh, couldn't happen to a nicer group of people <laughs> I'm sure anyway any other news gents what else has been going on what else has been going on just before, I mean, we've you got know, a couple of questions. But. Uh, Sam had something vaguely Argentina-related to celebrate this week. Uh, your new favourite player, Alejandro Garnacho. Oh yeah, oh, of yeah. course I did. Yeah, yeah. Moved Manchester United. Scored two goals in the final as well. And celebrated with the Argentine flag. I don't have a lot of stuff to celebrate. Yeah. You know, being a Manchester United fan, so I thought you would remember this. Oh, I knew all about the result, and I knew about his two goals. Uh, in fact, I watched them earlier today. Uh, and I knew the about the fact that it is yeah. the most attended match in the history of the FA Youth Cup by a ridiculous <laughs> market. <laughs> well, first off, Old Trafford is exactly yeah. I mean, you know, Britain's biggest stadium, but also the fact that biggest club stadium. It's not as big as Wembley. Is isn't it? No. Okay. Uh, on TV, they, they say that the goal he scored against Norwich was quite uh, similar to to another play scored by Aguero in in an independent racing that. Similar uh, run, yes. Mm. Ah, uh, I guess Nottingham Forest, you mean? But yeah, no, it was very nicely taken, and I, I can picture the Aguero goal. You mean? I think. Yeah, the one, the one where he... to say it, but I think Aguero's was probably slightly, slightly better. Plus, it was scored against adults, so it was more impressive <laughs> in that manner. But uh, he was yeah. clear, and he was also running with uh, toilet paper attached to his foot as well. <laughs> so that's a big one. It was a cleaner finish by Aguero, perhaps, but. The, the, the way he moved it was quite similar. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the previous FA Youth Cup attendance record was for an Arsenal Man United semi in about 2007 or something that was mm. at the Emirates and was about 38,000 people or something in yeah, United still like 67,500 tickets. Of the so. It's obviously the, the combination between being in the final for the first time in ages and happening to be hosting the final because and also, I think they draw at the start. And, of the and season, I think the, the poor performances from the senior team also that as well, probably. must have been something to take into account, plus, you know, something to be cheer, cheerful about. Plus, they charged a pound a ticket. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's a, a, pound, a, a pound a ticket with all proceeds going to the Manchester United Foundation. Oh, um, but yeah, Alejandro yeah. Garnacho has made his first mark on the glorious history. Indeed. Manchester United, thank you for reminding me and indeed giving me the opportunity to say that on the podcast, Dan, because I wasn't going to bring it up on my own. Uh, yeah, he was you, also drinking champagne after the celebrations, which... Uh, very unprofessional. Can't yeah, not only unprofessional, but also very illegal, because he's 17, I think. You're allowed to drink I'm it. I'm sure he's non-alcoholic champagne. You're allowed to drink as it. As long as your parents are in attendance, and his dad was definitely there, let's face <laughs> Yeah, so yeah they, they were crying and all. It's a weird thing, actually, just to did, go on an did they, give, did they give him a meal? To, to have it with because if so well, this it's perfectly is, legal he can purchase it if he buys a meal when he's 16 or 17 but in by, by English law which is a very strange thing you can legally drink um, as long as you don't buy it and you're in and you're under adult supervision uh, the minimum age is five I think to buy any kind of alcohol no, to, to no, drink no, to buy. Oh, to drink yes you're not what allowed buy? to drink you, you have to be 18 to buy it yeah ah, but you have cool. to be five to drink it yeah, because it would have been really stupid to just, uh, you know, uh, showcase himself on Instagram live breaking the law, you know, yeah. so... Yeah. I, I will uh, announce that I have, I did in fact break even that law for yeah, me too. consumption, uh, because the very first time that my mum went back to, my mum was a nurse, I mean, 
you, know, you, you could say she still is because you never stop being one, but she's retired now. I'm not, you know, she's alive. Um, <laughs> but when she worked, she was a nurse. And the first time she went back to night shifts after I was born, I being her, their, my parents' eldest child, uh, my dad got so desperate to send me to sleep that he gave me some whiskey. Or was it gin? Uh, I think it was whiskey. Um, yeah. So yeah, when I was several months old. So I, yeah, um, I managed to get the yeah, Did it work? Back in, back in like 30, 40 years ago, <laughs> parents used to give cognac to their children as well in here, I think. Well, so, we're talking 30, 30 to 40 years ago. Indeed, when yeah, I was, sadly. Yeah. yeah. I wish we weren't, but we are talking <laughs> very nearly 38 years ago. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shall we move on to listeners' questions? Yes. We've only had a couple so far, but one was from a couple of days ago. Uh, Derek Ryan. So this is actually a quote tweet. So the original quote, and I'll translate it into English, which is not very difficult, but it's from some bloke I've never heard of uh, from last week, saying, My Copa Libertadores would be 32 teams. Last uh, Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana champions are two of them. Then you have five each from Brazil and Argentina, three each from Mexico and the United States. You can see where this question's going. Two each from, these are quite small flags, Colombia, Uruguay, Ecuador, Chile and Paraguay. One each from Peru, Bolivia and Venezuela. And then a playoff from uh, the winner of a playoff between Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, is that Belize, El Salvador, etc. Uh, How many is that out to? I lost count. 32. I mean, I'm, assu- I'm letting <laughs> him do the math, but let's see. We've got 2, 12, uh, plus 6 is 18, plus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 times 2 is 10, is 28, 29, 30, 31. Yeah, 32. Yeah. Um, and Derek's question, he, he quote tweeted this at us and said, another quick question. Could you get on board with the re of the Copa Libertadores to include all of the Americas? Here is one proposed idea. And then the tweet that I've just read to you. Um, I don't think it's a terrible idea, right? but there is a huge problem in that. You know, you've got two confederations there, Comunidad and Concacaf, um, where two countries from each confederation—Argentina, Brazil, uh, Mexico, US—would possibly be all right with that, and every other country in both confederations would absolutely hate it mm. because it just. I think there is such a gulf between Brazil and just the countries in South America and their clubs that if you expanded to all of Amer- all of the Americas, the gulf would be even wider, and you would you would see a Brazilian champion almost every year, just as we already see the Copa Libertadores like it is now. But even yeah, I think more if you had so, to stagger it on quality, you'd probably be talking something more like. I don't know. Two Mexican teams, one US team, and then yeah. a whole qualifying competition to get another CONCACAF team in there. I mean, I'm going to say and, now... And, 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 then, and then you go to logistics and travel, yeah. and that's on, a whole on, other... I'm not against it, because I like the idea of having more champions in any competition rather than the eighth-place team in Brazil yeah. and the sixth-place team in Argentina. Um, I would have absolutely no problem with those teams not quite qualifying for continental competitions because I hate it in Europe I hate it in South America yeah I mean or at least to, there should be some yeah, merit but, to but then you would or at least like 5th and 6th place teams going into you know, South America uh, in dire economic situations because they, they would stop playing company with the others. you know teams like Atulientes teams like uh, the Messi Coutizia they would be fucked up 
Mm. Even then, though, it's not as if the God Oliver Todoris gives people lots no, of money. No, I mean, still had this. I don't bring anyone near as much money as they should. Four years without playing the Oliver Todoris and... Well, what about Bayless, for example? It hurts. I don't think it's beyond and end all like, you know, the top clubs in Europe and not clubs, playing their Champions League. Clubs in Argentina, if they produce one really good, like not world-class necessarily, but one, one player who is good enough to sell to a big five league in Europe or MLS. are going to make more money from that player than they were from yeah. winning the Libertadores. Yes. Yeah. So from that point of view, the Libertadores doesn't, you know, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, the, the, the Libertadores, Libertadores needs on to... the other hand, it would be a very effective way to showcase the kind of player. Yeah, no, of course it would, yeah, but I mean, the, the, the Libertadores, Libertadores prize money should be bigger, and obviously part right. of this is to do with the economy of the continent, there's, there's an extent to which Commonwealth can't do a lot about that, mm-hmm. there's another extent to which they probably should be doing a bit more to try and bring more prize money in, um, but... I mean, part of the problem is that's sharing that's between 32 clubs. Indeed, yeah, yeah. Which um, is probably too many, if we're looking, you know, if it's going to be an elite competition. Yeah. yeah. What I think about Derek's, well, not Derek's suggestion, but the suggestion this person has made, uh, that he's, he's tweeted at us, um, is that it's a really fun idea for something like, I imagine FIFA, if you play that. Oh, that's changing now as well, isn't it? So mm-hmm. EAFC or whatever it's going to be called. Um, or yeah. PAS or whatever. Or Football Manager, for those of us who are adults and still like to play computer games. Uh it, it's a it's a nice fun competition that like if there's an editor or something I could add an All America's Copa Libertadores to that. Mm. In real life, it would be a complete pain in the ass yeah, because even yeah. when the Mexican sides were involved in the Libertadores, you had some ridiculous travel times and everything. And if you extend that to potentially having to go up to Vancouver or Seattle or somewhere, yeah, from from here, let's say, or from yeah, Santiago or from Montevideo, it's just going to stretch teams' budgets and. The, the squads even further because the travel times are going to increase yeah. I think in the short term what I wouldn't mind seeing in fact what would be a lot of fun to see would be an intracontinental cup um, between the mm. winner of the Libertadores and the winner of the CONCACAF Champions League that seems much more well maybe if I mean it's tricky without sort of impinging too much I guess on the Club World Cup but one of the things that I sort of quite like and the same thing with the if we're going to bring back the old Intercontinental Cup, is rather than just having it between the two winners, maybe do like a semi-final and final between the finalists yeah. of the two competitions, or or even quarter-final, uh, semi-finalists, but then you've got to find a bit more time because then you turn into a, yeah. an eight-team competition. It's a bit yeah. too much. I think, right. I think only Mexican teams could have similar level or, or possibility to play... Uh, in fact, Tigres went to the finals in the... I mean, this, that, that would be the interesting well. thing, right? Because when the Mexican sides were in it before, it wasn't the best Mexican sides coming into the Libertadores because no, the their best ones had to go to the Champions League. There were some that were invited as well. Yeah, yeah. and so and it, it, it'd be off. interesting to have an actual, a, a truer comparison between the actual best teams in Mexico and the best teams in South America. Yeah. Um, but... It's, it's, not, it's not practical. This, this reminds me of the idea that... we just had our first... I believe the CONCACAF Champions League US winner. At US winner, as opposed yes. to Canadian, because didn't Toronto win it a couple of years ago? Or am I imagining that? Uh, I think you might be imagining that. I heard it as in the, the first um, team, Seattle Sanders. But I will check. I know it was... Um, let me see. This reminds me of the idea that Nacional Peñarol had to play Copa Argentina. 
they said this week. I know you heard about that. Sorry, that Nacional and Peñarol. They they want to play. I oh, had an idea to play the Copa yeah. Argentina. I hadn't heard that. Yes. Oh yeah, that, that, that was a rumor. I don't think it's gonna. No, the 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 president of Peñarol ah, conf yeah. confirmed that they they had the idea to talk with Chiquitapia. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think it has a lot of legs, really. You know, so Peñarol yeah. and Nacional are kind of like the Celtic and Rangers of South America in a way, and they're trying to, you know. Oh, they're the second US team to win after LA Galaxy in two thousand. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. Uh, DC United in 1990. Uh, Toronto reached a final in 2018, yeah. but were runners-up. I thought they were yeah. it for some reason. First team in so 22 it's, it's, years. And it's the same, the first times it's it's called the CONCACAF Champions League as well. That'll be it, yeah. That'll so be they, will be the they will be the first ones to play at the Club World Cup. Mm -hmm. There we go. I knew it was something significant like that. Yeah, it, it was pretty pretty fucking significant because they, they lost a lot of finals in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Seattle who came really, really close. They, they lost some penalties against uh, Almeida's Chivas, right? Uh, when? Uh, 2018 or 2019? Toronto. What, um, oh. what Sam was saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Toronto. There it was. There we go. And Los Angeles FC got there and got to the final in 2020. Oh, yeah. I thought they were supposed to be crap. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I'm getting Galaxy Los Angeles FC mixed up with Lakers and Clippers in basketball. Galaxy. I know the Clippers the are famously always shit, aren't they? Los Angeles FC have been alright. Clearly. Yeah, maybe if you think <laughs> if you think of you know the newer franchises, then the ones that are particularly crap are into Miami. Yes. So, yeah. Those you know never going anywhere. <laughs> anyway, short answer. Uh, can't see that happening. I would be on board with combining it for World Cup qualification. It's something I was going to say. With FIFA covering the travel costs for the tiny little confederations who don't have any money. And our travel costs to go to beaches in Costa Rica and... <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Trinidad, yes. Although now that Jack Warner isn't the president of, of CONCACAF and of the Caribbean um, Confederation or whatever anymore, there's a chance that some of those federations will have more of the money they were supposed to have in the first place. Very possibly. Who knows. Um, anyway, Dan has tweeted sort of included us in a question that he was asked himself on Twitter yesterday from E. William Watson, who says, I know this is the most tired and boring thing to ask, but I've been out of the loop a bit lately. How likely are we to see Gachardo move on after this Libertadores campaign? I like the idea of his final league game being a frustrating loss to Tigre. Now, I'm afraid to tell you, E. William, that uh, that's not going to happen because... We're going to have a league campaign coming up. Yeah, as, as I uh, was mentioning and a few the, minutes the ago. It's just going to you know, go on until... Yeah. Unless by some yes. strange circumstance, River don't qualify. I mean, they're not mathematically yeah. absolutely 100% certain to qualify for the um, round of 16 in the Libertadores yet. So their, their Libertadores campaign might be over before the next... Uh, if they lose both, both, play, both uh, matches against uh, Colo Colo and Alianza Lima, they can't go... They can't be eliminated, but... Uh, they still need one point. Yes. One. Mm. So but their goal difference is, as I think we said a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Their goal difference is pretty much yeah. that point. Uh, so they are, Providing they I would play... say, 99.5% certain to, to be in the next... Uh, Provided they, the they, they, uh, the way they played last night, uh, they, could not, they could perhaps not win against Colo Colo and they get, by getting that draw, they should be uh, qualifying. I, I can... I can't be sure that they won't lose against Alianza Lima. That is, mm. 
that is that will be catastrophic. I mean, Cristiano would have to die if yes. <laughs> at least <laughs> Lima at the very least, if not commit Harry Geary or so. Indeed, yeah. Um, so uh, sorry to spoil that particular bit of your illusion, but. Gachardo moving on after the, whenever Rivers Libertadores campaign does end, or at the end of the year, if he wants to, you know, if they go out early. Today again, to there were those rumors, mm. a new old rumor that the PSG are, are looking for them, for him, uh, when Pochettino leaves and that. Uh, but Pochettino's not going to Man United now, is he? So he's definitely staying at PSG. Yeah, no, I think they're going uh, <laughs> to boot him. He'll go back to Espanyol. Maybe if um, I think he doesn't have a job left at PSG, whatever. May, maybe what's probably what could happen. I don't think it's one hundred percent certain, but what could happen is we see a managerial switcheroo between Antonio Conte and him. I'm trying. I'm trying to picture Antonio Conte going to PSG. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you meant. I was, I was just trying to the, the horror of the idea of this PSG team being managed by Conte. <laughs> Well, that could go really wrong. Minus Mbappe, because he's about to move to Madrid, isn't he? Yes. Um, uh, really, yeah? So, there were some rumblings that he might stay after all. I mean, to be honest, I don't really give a toss either way. <laughs> I, I just think it would be deeply unattractive to, <laughs> to, to see. Um, Therefore, really attractive. To drag this back to Argentina Possibly. for a second. Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would be, would be unsuccessful, necessarily. <laughs> I just wouldn't want to see the football they produce. Go on, Dan. To drag this back to Argentina... Um, I think it's the same question as always with Gacharro, right? Like, um, Why hasn't he left earlier? No, um, <laughs> does he think um, he can keep taking this team forward? Mm. Um, for the last eight years, the question, the answer has been yes. He thinks there's always room for improvement, there's always room for rebuilding. I don't know whether the Tigre loss will present doubts over that. Obviously, what counts is uh, Libertadores, and that's gonna, that's only gonna be found out in the knockouts. But I mean, they're gonna have to improve a lot, especially even at the back, and not give away these terrible goals. Um, otherwise, you know, they're gonna come yeah. up against uh, Flamengo, Palmeiras, or Menego and get absolutely spanked. And the challenge um, there is that, as we said last week or the week before it's not as if they're short of centre-backs they've got lots of centre-backs I mean they sound like six but they don't seem to have a settled and decent yeah. partnership between two of them um, the thing is that if, yeah. they, if the team uh, represents it's a tough one for Gachado because like this was the summer where he really did get everything he asked for right he got Barco mm. he got Tomas Pochettino he got six centre-backs um, a whole load of other players and I'm not you know Riverwood never move against him he's a god but if he doesn't get the job done with this team which is the team he absolutely asked for and moulded you know according to his vision I mean where does he go from there? Um, yeah he'll go down as a failure in uh, it'll be, yeah. in River Plate's history Andres yes, the, the, if the team represents <laughs> the coach or the coach uh, uh, at that moment I think that Gachardo was like the team. He he may be tired also. Uh, it's like he said, eight years uh, of uh, being in the same team. Even when it's not River, being say eight years in the same team could be exhausting for anyone. Uh, and I think that it's could be a symptom uh, that the players show that something that he also feels. Perhaps uh, it's hard to know. Uh, he he admitted it. It was hard. Uh, 
to, to be eliminated and, and that he will they will have to correct a lot of things and which is natural because uh, he knows that how the team played but perhaps it, it was an image of Gachardo uh, that uh, shocked the team I think yeah, indeed. Uh, Patronato just taken the lead while Andres was talking, by the way, against Moron. Seven minutes, eight minutes into the second half. Um, I'm increasingly thinking, by the way, we, we always talk about, oh, you know, where's Gasharano going to go when he goes? Who's going to tempt him away? And the, the longer he stays at River, and it, this sort of ties into what Andres was just saying about how, how tiring it can be, the more I think he might just sort of, he, he might end up leaving River and then maybe taking six months off rather than leaving River for a better offer elsewhere or you know to I, go think to that would be I don't think he's going to find yeah. that many offers in January as well well no exactly that's, that's why so I think, I think it would be wiser year. for him to uh, sit those six months through wait until pre-season until the futures of some of the teams in Europe that might be looking for him be settled yeah I, I'm sure after that I'm sure he could get offers or, or would have interest from you know that, that from his point of view it would make sense economically if nothing else oh, yeah. uh, from say clubs in the United States he speaks some English because he played there before and yeah. I as I've he, mentioned he a couple of times before well. I, yeah and, and as I've mentioned a couple of times before I know for a fact that he's had some English classes while he's been managing at River that have been provided by the club because um, one of my friends was teaching English <laughs> at River to, to players uh, at the time. Be, it would be a really, really high-profile kind of uh, appointment as well, given his stature. Yeah, exa- exactly, right? And, I mean, the obvious parallel to draw is Guillermo Barrasekelotto, who... Yeah, but it, it, it can be compared in terms of pedigree. In terms no, 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 of I'm, I'm not saying it can. I'm, I'm just, you know, the, the, their managerial careers are very clearly linked by a couple of matches in particular... And after those couple of matches, Barosov Kiroto went to the uh, There's also a difference that Barosov Kiroto before that had tried his hand in Europe before. Mm. Something that a lot of people might have forgotten already. Instead, he didn't really have a chance because he never got that UEFA degree. Yes, yeah. At Palermo. Yeah. Patronato just scored a second goal. <laughs> oh. Two in two minutes. The yeah. goes wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Moron's dream is over. The, the thing well, is whether... The thing is whether he, he receives any offer from an important team. Perhaps yeah. the offers, like Santi said, is, is he receives a few offers and from teams that are from middle table or, or something like that, or, or from teams that he knows, like Paris Saint-Germain or perhaps Monaco. Yeah, or from teams who team. understand their philosophy and, and sort of ideology at River as well, I guess, right? Like, I was... Earlier today, I was looking at the uh, a statement on the official Man United website about um, I still can't get his name right. Eric Ten Hag. I keep yeah. wanting to call him Ten Cat, but that's someone else, isn't it? There's another <laughs> Dutch manager called Ten Cat, um, which was going on about how you know Ajax are a team who just like Man United have this great importance, put this great importance into their youth setup, and you know the the the. Um, academy and all the rest of it and how there aren't very many clubs in the world who really fully understand this and blah 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 and that's why he's going to be such a good fit and you know we'll see it's obviously marketing bollocks for the moment right Mm -hmm. but I was thinking one of the I I could think of one other club with a very highly regarded manager at the moment not very far away from here who have precisely that kind of ethos as well all through their history Um, 
and obviously Ajax have now already announced like somebody from Utrecht, I think it is, or, or some other Dutch. No, actually, they, they got uh, someone him. who was um, he's currently at Club, Club Bruges. That's the one. And yeah. uh, he was formerly the Ronald Koeman's assistant manager at Barcelona. And it was somebody somewhere in the local. And he looks almost exactly like Eric oh, yeah? physically. He was also bald, uh, with a little grey hair and his beard or something like that. Yeah. But I, I just I, I so as I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, if Ajax were thinking along these lines, then. I mean, I don't know. I very much doubt that Gashardo speaks a word of Dutch. Uh, but if he speaks English, he'll be able to get it. I think I wouldn't be. I wouldn't see so bad for him, even when it will mean that he playing Copacabana against him is Flamengo, for example, uh, with a lot of money, a giant of Brazil, and will be a change for him, of course. Yeah, uh, it'll be a new challenge in the sense that he will be managing much more high-profile players. Than the ones yes. he manages up to even, Similar example. to Europe, but being in South America, perhaps. And yeah, not in some very good money as well. So The thing is, I think Brazil have a, a thing about, you know, managers and immediate success uh, as a... I mean, if, we, if you think that Argentina is a, is a country that's really... Oh, no, in terms of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have this rule that if you lose three games in a row, you're almost automatically yeah. sacked. Something of a... Of a tacit kind of rule, but it's, uh, but yeah, I, I we've seen so many managers who were uh, roaring successes in Argentina have gone to Brazil and have just went straight through the door and back again. Mm. You know the likes of Holland and uh, Dabove, I think was it Dabove? Gareca, Gareca, Bogoda, Medina. Back to that uh, brilliant run at Venice. Yeah, he lasted about five games at Palmeiras. So. Exactly, and that, that's how he yeah. ended up at Peru as well. Somebody had a had a decent fist to it. Yeah, but somebody, somebody had already established himself not in Argentina but in Chile. We will have to see Monten- um, Monten- um, Mohamed how he goes with Mineiro. Yeah, yeah, he's got something of a head start considering he's managing Atlético Mineiro. Just, but yeah, brilliant team. Yeah, and Crespo as well. Crespo, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. So that's a lot of uh, managers chewed up, chewed up and spit it out by Brazil after coming from Argentina. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, they do it to their own as well, so... Yeah, they have this... Yeah, they have their managerial merry-go-round of the same five or six names and every single time, so... That sounds familiar, doesn't it, Dan? In the early years of Hand Pod. <laughs> yeah, uh, but not in the top teams. It used to be in the top teams. Brazil's more like a washing machine. You, you're, too young, <laughs> you're too young to remember this, but it used to be like that here. Uh, Tommy Buendia says, How is it that River can beat any team just as well as they can lose to any team? Andres. Yes, yes, like Football, I said yeah. before, it's a team that uh, looks physically tired, uh, heavy, not with the clear ideas to to be dam- uh, uh, to create damage to, to, to the rival, and at the same time is weak in, in defense, and uh, any mistake is taken uh, taken by the rivals and, and just uh, end with goals. So yeah. uh, when when Gallardo when Tigre scored last, last night, the second goal. Gallardo insulted because he knew that it would be the end. Yeah. Uh, and that is a problem because the team shows a face which is different to the, sh- the one uh, which showed uh, some time ago, which is that the goals that uh, are conceded by, uh, that they concede, it's, uh, this is it. Uh, they can't uh, recover from that, which is, of course, uh, 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 sad, but well, it's happening now. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing is that for all of, you know, going forward, They've got some excellent players, you know, some some great talent. Julian Alvarez is is going to be superb, and I'm 
very sad to yeah, but, but very sad to report who he's going to, and also even sadder now to know that he's going to be playing alongside Haaland. Enzo Fernandez is fantastic, and Enzo Fernandez you know, I'm more goals. To seeing him playing for City or Liverpool as well next season, <laughs> given that United have been so heavily linked with him. But the, I, I say this half in jest and, and half seriously, right? Part of the problem yesterday was that they didn't have Quintero to call in off the bench. He well, apart from that, yes, Quintero and, and Suarez. In a way, well. obviously, this is my massive raging hard-on for Juan Fernando Quintero. <laughs> I just wanted to see him play 90 minutes every single River match, and the fact that he couldn't. But also, in another way, I, I, I say I'm, I'm, I'm serious about it, because they don't have any other player who, in that kind of match and in that kind of situation, can come in and find those kinds of passes that pick the opposition defence apart. I, I think if... Seriously, if he'd been available to play the last nor 20, Palavecin, nor Paradella have the same creativity and, exactly, yeah, and the ability to take that passes. They've yes. got creative players, they've got players who can make things happen, but, but they don't have anybody else who can do it in quite that the, the thing that you don't way, expect that extra he, ingredient. Yes. Um, yes, of course, uh, um, about uh, Julian Alvarez, the goal scorer, the top goal scorer of the year for River is Enzo Fernandez. Mm. Nine goals against eight from Julian Alvarez who uh, last uh, semester, everything that he touched was goal, and now looks like the ball bounces off his leg, yeah. or his, his feet, so it's the moments and, are... And those goals, you know, it's two hat-tricks, right? So in the other matches, yes. aside, outside those games, yes. he's Sarmiento, lost his touch. Just went, went to sleep, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it would be quite fun, yeah, I think Sam would appreciate it as well, if uh, we managed to tack on another 10 million uh, for Alvarez based on that, score of go- that run of goals he scored yep. which wasn't representative at all of him as a player as good as he is um, oh yeah I've, I've seen a I couple I like of, to think you know, yeah. City brought him as a prolific goal scorer which he probably isn't <laughs> no no I mean and, you know, I, I've seen a, a couple of City fans talking online about how they've got an, an out and out centre forward which is what they've been missing he's not really an out and out centre forward yeah. unfortunately they have now signed Harland as well so <laughs> I can't laugh at that. I think it's going to be much. Um, the two of them together are going to be yeah. a fucking terrifying duo when he <laughs> when he gets his uh, you know when he gets used to Europe. Um, but yeah, I mean, Enzo Fernandez is not only has he scored seven, he's also they, they must say, five. They must be saying, "Hey, we should have signed Enzo Fernandez, right?" <laughs> not the Julian Alvarez. Well, they might yet do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the other really worrying thing, right? Less than the fact that Julian Alvarez is, is dropped off goal scoring wise, is that their third top goal scorer of the year so far. It's Juan Fernando Quintero, with four goals, he's even though he's played three games. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if you put all of his substitute appearance minutes together, I think we're all on penalties, but yes, nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah one of no, the, not the all penalties. First one was a penalty. Yes, one. Yes. And then the, he scored the one where uh, Newell's yes, uh, goalkeeper was no to be Arbolea. seen. Arbolea. Arbolea. and then, then another one, I think. I need Enzo Copetti then in the winter. Yeah, but I mean, you know, last, the answer to everything. last year they had Julian Alvarez obviously was scoring for fun, but they also had plenty of other players stepping up and they had goals coming from all over the pitch. Exactly. This year, Alvarez so far has got eight, Fernandez has got seven, Quintero's on four, uh, Barco, Simon, Suarez, two each, and then you've got a Oof. bunch of players on one. I mean, nobody, uh, they don't have the same threat from all angles as they Brian Romero, when, when Brian Romero uh, came to the team, started scoring goals, incredibly, mm. and now it's like... Of course, playing less, mm. uh, but uh, uh, he he even misses the, the shots. It's incredible. Yeah, well, he's reverted to what it was like before River signed him, essentially, yeah. wasn't he? Because he was the ultimate. Was it? I think you made the point, didn't you? Dan, when they signed him, that he was a very very good big match player. Yeah, before for, signing for the defensor. 
He always seemed to score in the big matches, but very rarely. He had rarely that too many goals. He scored like twelve goals, yeah. which was more than all of the league goals I think he'd scored mm. in his career. Exactly. Yeah, he he was he had a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous record in South America now compared to his uh, big tally. Yeah. Anyway, those are all of the questions yeah, that we've so far. Seven wanted this. Seven. Uh, air his thoughts. It's not really a question, but. Oh, go on. On the. It's not email. Email. No, I mentioned this earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you okay. want to read it out, Dom? Go on, let's review it. If, yeah, it's um, a bit of a mouthful. But I mean, I've see. already kind of tacitly disagreed with this, so... <laughs> <not really. laughs> anyway, let's see. He goes back to the river again, which we were just talking about. Mm. That shot from Enzo Fernandez is the most beautiful, ugly shot I've ever seen. Or could even be the ugliest, most beautiful shot. I mean, aesthetically, in that moment... He looks like he doesn't know how to kick a ball, but we know he does. No, we know he knows. The movement of that leg looks similar to what punters do, in inverted commas, in the NFL. Only they don't have to aim it at the top corner. Um, and then he says he doesn't want to speak about racing because this email would be even longer. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. I think we cover around racing. Um, yeah. Oh, golf and wrong. Oh, no, it's not. No. Not been allowed. Uh, it was, yeah. It was. As I own... already said, I, I think it was a really nice hit. I mean, yeah, it's unorthodox, but it was unorthodox. Yeah. I think you, you look at Romay or Romario, if you don't speak mm. Portuguese, or Ronaldo's the original one. Mm. Some of his goals were it, it's a futsal kind of technique. Well, that's seen, a lofty uh, comparison, I must say. Have you seen now, now that uh, he's been sacked by Burnley? You've seen now that. Uh, there's a clip from Sean Dyke taking a penalty. I, I think thought you were saying Romario had been sat by Burnley. No, no, yeah. He's, he's taking a penalty from, Roma, uh, from I think, for Watford or for Chesterfield, one of those. And he scores it with a, yeah, with, with a toe poke as well. Yeah. But with such strength that it almost looks like the ball has cut straight through the middle. It's, <laughs> it's an incredible penalty. I, I think it's more unorthodox the, that the shots that are more seen in Europe, not, not in South America, that they to, to kick the ball champing. For example, mm. uh, oh yeah. So I mean, it's come off like the knuckle of the big toe because it's not a toe poke. It's like yeah, yeah. The knuckle of the big toe is, I think he. Yeah. And as I said <laughs> earlier, it's just like he, he sort of freezes the ball. There's no spin on it at yeah. all when you see the, the slow mo replay. It's just. Yes. Maybe, maybe we can christen it a knuckle ball. I mean, I know they have it. Yeah, that's yeah. not really a knuckle ball. No. I mean, I think there's, 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 there are knuckle balls in football. Then the knuckle balls just like that, that kind of shot which goes almost anywhere. You know, I kind think of he like, could have gone anywhere. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, uh, I mean, it's probably a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a free kick from Hakan Chehalu at Bayern Leverkusen. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, the, the, the who now plays for Inter Milan, right. uh, but he scores a free kick from almost halfway, yeah. halfway, the halfway line, and the ball almost goes like pretty much. It's almost impossible to describe <laughs> the trajectory of the ball right. and the goalkeeper can't even see it. That's what I generally think of when you think knockable. Not just the way you shoot it, but also the fact that the ball just pretty much goes anywhere. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm no baseball expert, but I think that's what it means, right? <laughs> Possibly. If you're a baseball fan, yeah. uh, you know tell what us if we're talking I'm shit pretty sure it's a baseball term originally. If, if it is a baseball term, I don't really know yeah, maybe, maybe it's really. Uh, yeah, I don't think no, no, no one here knows exactly a lot of baseball. No, indeed. So. Well, we can make sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> indeed we can. Um, uh, yeah. 
for now, anyway, uh, I'm going to put some music on, and when we come back, we will have Mystic Sam. Okay, there are only a couple of matches uh, to predict, so instead, Dan's suggestion is twisted my arm and I'm going to do this. First of all, the semi-finals. Boca Racing. I think it's going to be a Racing win. And I think that Tigre are going to beat Argentinos in the other semi-final. And then, as I've already said, we're probably not going to record next week. Uh, the final, therefore, I'm predicting that it's going to be Racing versus Tigre. And I think that that will be won by Racing. So you're going okay. for a repeat of the 2019 Trofeo de Campeones? Apparently I am, yeah. Yes. I couldn't remember that, but yes. <laughs> um, and now, at Dan's suggestion, I'm also going to predict the results of the other possible final That wasn't my suggestion, I told you not to do it. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought you were saying to do it. Anyway, no, I've, I've said it now, so I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the obvious other one is, is that the final could be Boca vs Argentinos. If that happens, I think... Boca will win it. Uh, if the final is Racing versus Argentinos, I still think Racing will win it. And if the final is Boca versus Tigre, just for a bit of fun, I'll go for Tigre to win it. A repeat of the 2019 Copa de Sumerlín. Exactly, yeah. Almost sort of defend the trophy because they haven't actually had a chance to properly defend it since because they weren't in the right division to do so. I would count as a defense. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be, but in a way. Um, so there you go. One of those four teams will win the Copa de uh, what's it called? The Copa de la Liga Profesional. Yeah. It, although according it's, to the four predictions I've just made, it definitely won't be Argentinos. Isn't it like Copa Binance, something like that? Finance. Uh, no, but Binance, they Binance, they broke the contract. Stop saying the name. They're not Spanish paying us any money. <laughs> and even if they were paying us money, it would be imaginary money because. And apparently that's all fuck now. Like they broke the contract and, and signed the new one to other. Mm. We could do that. Why don't we have a crypto sponsor? Because I'm not a scammer, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were wondering what our stance was on crypto, then you—I mean—you should have known before with the, some of the comments I've made. But I, heard, oh, I agree. But I still had the I heard Boca was uh, was talking to a crypto uh, exchange because the 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 Qatar Airways. Sponsor is uh, expires, I think, in June. Right. And, and they're talking with the crypto exchange. I think it's still going to be around in June, from what I've been reading. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> and it's all tanking, though. Oh. It's tanking at the it's moment, the yeah, but ones. these things are always temporary, aren't they? Um, <laughs> but not to say that it's not very, very, very funny to look at at the moment. And if you happen to really like crypto and want to tweet us to tell us how much you disagree with what we're saying at the moment, uh, please don't. <laughs> you will be blocked. You know, rebel psychology, they will, absolutely will now. I like to think that we have a better class of listener than that. <laughs> yeah. And if that. you... Yeah, no, anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to carry on with that. But That's anyway. how many people could have actually listened all the way to this <laughs> pointless segment. Statistically. Five, six? Yeah, I mean... Not crypto very, enthusiasts. Very, very, yeah. Not crypto enthusiasts, at least. Definitely not. They don't have the attention span to this. I'd be surprised if we have more than about 15 listeners who actually <laughs> listen to every episode all the way through. Uh, anyway... For now, thank you very much indeed for listening. Uh, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time. 
Unless you're a Patreon supporter, of course, because if you're a Patreon supporter, you've got a few back episodes that I still haven't uploaded yet, and which I will be uploading during this uh, two or three weeks off that we're going to have. But we will talk to you again in two weeks' time on this main uh, hand pod to review the winners of the Copa de la Liga. And also the final matches, I think we've got, by the time we next record, we're going to be most of the way through, if we record on Thursday night, most of the way through the final round of group matches in the Libertadores, aren't we? Penultimate round. Penultimate. In two weeks. Two oh, no, wait, you're right. Yes, final round. Final, penultimate round next week. Yes. Two weeks' time will be the last round, so we'll be, presumably correct, there will be a match taking place while we record. Anyway, for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Santi. See you around, guys. From English Dan. Goodbye. And from me. Thank you and goodbye.